All right, let's hear them. Throw out some excuses. What are excuses we use? What? Next time, absolutely. Next time I see them, that's, that, that'll be the time. That's right. That'll be the divine moment. What's that? I don't want to offend. Yeah, we're really big on that one. And that, that one really helps us justify not, not sharing for sure. I don't want to get fired. Yeah, thinking about our jobs, absolutely. You know, there's a fine line there, and I want to make sure I keep my job. All right. Too shy. Yep. Too busy. That's a good one. Too busy. Who else is going to tell what I said? Okay, yeah, so maybe some, a little bit of fear of, of where this could go. Okay. Okay. Judgment. Woo, you better believe, where, I think I saw him, Charlie, where you at, Charlie? Charlie and, I, Charlie and I went and did door-to-door evangelism one time with the church, and do you remember that guy, he opened up the garage door, and, and as soon as he came through, I thought, oh no, I looked at Charlie, he looked at me, I said, this is not going to be good, he was asking all kinds of things, so yeah, there's always that fear that, that what, what if I don't know the answer, absolutely. We do that often. We don't like to admit it, but we, we prejudge the person that they're not going to accept this or even want to listen to me anyway, so I'm not going to share it with them. Absolutely. Any, anyone else? Just, that, hold, just, next, just next time, okay, Samuel? The fear of rejection is one that I've heard a lot. Just, just that, that I, you know, I'm either going to offend or I'm going to be rejected, and then I'm going to lose that friendship, right? Um, for me personally, um, it, it really comes down to, and this is going to sound really bad, but I, I'm what you call a piddler. I can piddle away two or three hours like no one's business. I can sit at the house in the garage and piddle, piddle it away, and, and then I, all of a sudden I'm too busy to do anything else. I don't know if any of you else are like that, especially if I'm working on something. I can take a two-hour project and turn that into five days, no problem. No problem, okay? So uh, three Fridays ago, well, well the Thursday night, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to remodel the bathroom tomorrow, upstairs, the kid's bathroom. And she said, now when you say remodel, I said, top to bottom, I'm going to gut it. We're going to put a new bathtub, new uh, vanity. We're going to paint the whole thing. And she said, and how long is this going to take? I said, I'm off Friday and Saturday. I'll work on a little bit Sunday night, and I'll knock it out Monday morning. We'll be done with that thing. Well, uh, uh, 13 days later, when I was up there painting, I thought to myself, you know, you wasted a lot of time. I mean, I broke, the, I broke the pipe that goes underneath the toilet. I learned an important lesson about that, by the way. The elbow that comes off on the bottom of the toilet, I cut that thing off, and I just kept making this, this pile of stuff that I was going to throw away. And I came out in the garage, and my 8-year-old son had it around his arm. And uh, he said, I love this thing, Dad. Can I keep it? And I said, Josiah, I don't know if you realize this, but... Uh, so he, uh, he quickly freaked out and went and took a shower very quickly. But, but I can piddle time away, and so what ends up happening is I justify in my mind that I'm too busy to stop and share the greatest news of all time with somebody that just like that could change their eternity. I sat in that room last Wednesday night, and I listened to Bill Street, and I listened to Corey O'Hara, and when they got done, I thought to myself, why do I not do this more often? Why do I not stand beside somebody or walk beside somebody and sit beside them and share with them the absolute greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life? And for me, I use the excuse of busyness. This is what we want tonight to be about. 
we need to get rid of this excuses, the excuse of rejection, the excuse of offending somebody. Can I just make a statement? We better be more worried about offending God than we are people. And for whatever reason, a lot of our churches are full of people who are more worried about offending the world than they are God. And I believe with all my heart, if the men in this room would get with it and we would start sharing the gospel like Christ has called us to share, we could see this city turned upside down. And so I want us to take and throw those excuses away. Well, let's shift the conversation a little bit. Let's send it back to the table. And this is what I want us to discuss at the table. I want you to list some ways you can turn a conversation into a gospel conversation. Now, Noah's going to come back. He's got a, a kind of like a statement that I want him to share with you that he heard from a guy that I think will put it into perspective. But how often have you been in a conversation and you think to yourself, I would love to share the gospel with, but I just don't know how to quite transition that conversation into a gospel conversation. This person needs Jesus, but there just wasn't quite the right opportunity to turn that conversation into a gospel conversation. Noah's going to come up and share with us in just a few minutes, but I want you to discuss around the table what are some ways that you have turned a conversation into a gospel conversation, you have seen someone else turn a conversation into a gospel conversation, or you've thought about this would be a great way to turn a conversation into a gospel conversation. Because it's interesting that you and I can turn most any conversation whichever way we want. I was introducing Jonathan to some guys at this table, and just like that, I turned everybody's attention that to the fact that David was an Ole Miss fan. And I did that very easily. I didn't have to think, now how am I going to transition this? But when it comes to the gospel, oftentimes we say, how could I do that? So I want you to take a few moments around your table and discuss how can we turn regular day conversations into gospel conversations. Take a few minutes to discuss it around your table. All right, before we, uh, before we continue, I have an important question. Who here is a Whataburger fan? Anybody? All right, so if you guys didn't know, we have one, two now open in South Haven and two that are opening within a minute or two of this church. So if you are, uh, have not been introduced to the world's greatest burger, uh, it'll be coming by the end. What? It's, it's really good. It's coming at the end of this year. I'm a huge, uh, sorry, somebody, I think somebody corrected me, Whataburger fan. Uh, I'm not from Texas, so I say Whataburger. Uh, but anyway... I actually have a point to, to saying that. So I was talking to, to a friend uh, about a year ago, and he said something that was incredibly uh, convicting to me. He said, you know, we always talk about how to transition into a gospel conversation. It's the hardest part of what we do and trying to listen and trying to find these, uh, these perfect opportunities to segue. And we're waiting for them to mention something or waiting for them to bring it up. And we're always looking for opportunities to to turn the conversation, but we often don't share the gospel because we didn't get that turn just quite the way we wanted to. And he said this, he said, Noah, what else in your life that you care about and that you want to talk about do you actually stop and wait for a perfect segue into? He said, there, there's nothing else in your life that you want to talk about. And I'll, I'll use the example of, of uh, Whataburger. I love Whataburger. I don't wait for anybody to ask me about burgers before I let them know that there's two that are going to be opening up within about a mile of this church, and I'll be able to eat there anytime I want to, and it will probably lose some of that special flair that it has, but I'm hoping not. But ultimately, the point is this, is that if you care about something and if we're passionate and if we've determined that this is something that I want to talk about, we're going to talk about it. And I want to use it as a challenge to you guys of making it a determination in your heart not just that you're always going to wait for that perfect moment. Yeah, it's, it's good to find those transitions. And, and if there's something, if they talk about 
their family or if they grew up in the church but they don't go. I mean, those are great segues into a gospel conversation, into presenting the gospel. But we don't have to wait for those moments if they don't come. And don't, let's not use those as excuses. Oh, we didn't see that, that perfect transition the way we're looking for. Let's not use that as an excuse to not do the thing that we know we're supposed to do. And, you know, one thing, uh, and Bill Street talked about this last, this last week. If you, if you hadn't had an opportunity to listen to it, if you weren't here, it's all on YouTube, on our website. I encourage you to listen to it. But he says this. This is one thing that, that Bill does that, uh, that has been really effective for him. I think it's a great way to turn that conversation. He says, hey, can I ask you what the best decision that you've ever made? And they'll, they'll walk through it. And, and he says, do you mind if I share with you the best decision that I've ever made? You know, it's a very simple way. You don't have to wait for a perfect transition. It's a way to throw something out there and to, to, to turn the conversation whenever you need to. I have a, another friend that does this he, when he's uh, going through a grocery store or a restaurant or if he's going up an elevator with somebody. He just doesn't have a, a lot of opportunity to share the gospel, but he wants to at least plant a seed. This is what he says. Hey, has anybody told you today that God loves you? And he said, just that one question People open up so much. They'll say, you know, oh, yes, you know, my, my wife told me that this morning. Or I heard that this morning. Or some people say, you know, uh, my mom's the only one that ever told me that, and, and I haven't talked to her in years. And just like that, there's an open door to share the gospel. And so just be willing to open, the, open your mouth and to ask questions and to care about people. And, and ultimately, and Bill talked about this last week, a heart that's going to share the gospel is a heart that cares about people. So I was, uh, I was telling Derek earlier, I was uh, meeting with somebody who was, we're talking about some personality type stuff, and he likes to do some deep dives into to personalities and how people are wired, and he's a, I guess a, he's got some kind of psychiatrist, psychologist background, and he was looking at a profile of an assessment that I had taken, and he said this, he said, Noah, I, I can tell you this, I've, I'm looking at this assessment that you just took, and I've, I have another assessment that you took about five or six years ago, and so I've compared the two just to see to see what, what's happening here. And this is what I can tell you. Never in your past, not now, and never in your future will you have any empathy inside of you. He said, it's just not who you are. It's just not how God has wired you to be. And ultimately, that's okay, and that's how God has wired me. I'm not a very empathetic person. I don't, I don't feel a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't react to emotions, and I don't feel what a lot of people are feeling. And some people would think I'm a psychopath as a result, but I promise you I'm not. But ultimately it's this, just because I'm not naturally wired to feel that doesn't mean that God doesn't work within me, the Holy Spirit within me isn't going to pull my heart towards somebody and, 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 and call me to share the gospel with them. Just because I'm not naturally wired to be an extrovert, just because I'm not naturally wired to have conversations, just because I'm not naturally anything, is not an excuse that God is allowing and God finds acceptable. God has wired you the way he's wired you for a specific reason. And God did not make a mistake when he wired you the way that he wired you. But you are supposed to take the way that God has wired you and turn that and be faithful in the sharing of the gospel. And one of the easiest ways and one of the best ways we can do that is by sharing your testimony. And so in just a few minutes, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go around the tables and just give you guys an opportunity, one, two minutes, just very short, just to give your testimony. And I'm going to model that for you here and kind of give you the breakdown of a formula of what the testimony is. Sometimes people are intimidated by the idea of telling the testimony, but it's really not that complicated. And there's really three aspects to it. One, my life before Christ. Two, how I came to Christ. And three, my life after Christ. 
And ultimately, if you can share this, this is something that even if somebody doesn't believe what the Bible says, even if they, they are a, a skeptic, and even if they do not believe and do not want to believe, they can't argue with your testimony and with your own experience. This is what Jesus has done in your life, and they can't debate that. That's not up for debate what God has done in your life and what, what you have experienced. You know, I was... Uh, I heard, uh, if anybody here is a deacon, you saw a video that, that Drew showed at deacon's meeting on, on Sunday. But he, he had a, a quick video he showed that was very convicting. It was a, a, somebody speaking, and they said essentially this. I'll summarize it. If you are in a house and the house catches on fire, and you're trapped inside that house, and you can't get out, and then suddenly somebody were to break down that front door, a firefighter were to come in, rescue you, and pull you out, and pull you to safety on that curb. If somebody were to come and say, hey, what happened to you? you you're all covered in smoke. Your, your, your clothing is burned. What happened to you? Nobody would ever say, well, I've, I've not been trained in how to tell this story. This isn't something that I've been prepared. No, you can tell the story of what God has or what happened to you in that moment. And in the same way, you can tell the story. If you have been saved, you can tell the story of how God saved you. Now, I know for me, my, my testimony, and maybe a lot of you in the room have the same testimony. My testimony isn't very, uh, like they would never make a movie about my testimony. It's not very exciting in a lot of ways. It's the, uh, a testimony of a lot of people who grew up in church. When I was seven years old, I'd grown up in church, and I'd been part of, of the church, and I'd been hearing preaching, and my parents were talking to me. And when I was seven years old, I came to the point where I realized that I was a sinner, and I wasn't a drug dealer. I hadn't been to prison. I hadn't done all these terrible things as a six, five, six-year-old. But when I was seven years old, I made a decision. I came to the point where I realized that I was a sinner and that God was holy and that I had to reconcile this and that I could not be with God because of my sin. And because of that, I walked and talked and, and, and learned more and I prayed and I accepted Jesus in my heart. And as a result, here are the things that are different in my life today. You know, for me, like I said, I've never, never had these, you know, Hollywood moments in my, in my story that were just incredible. You know, I'm just a Southern Baptist boy who grew up in church and has been at Bellevue my entire life. But ultimately, I know based on even just tendencies and, and just my, my, my personality and whatnot, I know, I have a good idea of what my life would look like if Jesus hadn't saved me. There are certain things that I wouldn't care about. There, there are certain things in my life that that I know that I wouldn't have, have resisted. There are certain things in my life that I know I would have just given over and, and not cared about. But because Jesus has saved me, I know I'm a different person today than I would have been had I not accepted Jesus. And just walking people through, hey, here's, here's what my life was like before Christ, but here's how I came to the point where I accepted Christ. And as a result, here's what Christ has done in my life. If you're able to share that, that is an incredible opportunity for you to, to share the gospel and to open that door and to have that opportunity to have a conversation with somebody else. So here's what we want you to do. Just take a couple minutes, uh, each person, maybe one minute, maybe two uh, around the table, but try to be quick and keep it moving. But just take a moment and share your testimony. When did you come to know the Lord? And what were the circumstances? Did you grow up in church like me? Or did you have a, a story that might make a Hollywood movie one day? And if so, I want the rights to your script. But go ahead and just spend a few minutes talking around the table, and then Derek will come and close us. All right, well, guys, uh, I hope you got an opportunity to share your testimony around the table. And I know some of you are probably mad at Noah and I because you did not anticipate coming in here and sharing your testimony tonight. And there may be somebody in the room tonight that 
honestly, outside of their spouse, that may have been the first time you've ever really shared your testimony with somebody. But what we're hoping that you see is that God has gifted you the greatest gift he could ever gift us in his son, Jesus Christ. And you and I are literally carrying the only thing that can save people for all eternity. And what greater calling do we have than to go out and tell other people? And sometimes we complicate that. I don't have all the verses memorized, so there's no way I could go share that. Um, I don't have the time. What, if you can just tell people what Jesus is doing in your life, it's amazing how receptive they'll be. Uh, I, Charlie, when, I, when we went to that guy's door and he came out there, I don't know how many doors over the years I've had an opportunity to knock on. That's one of two that I've ever been rejected by, okay? So you say, how many have you knocked on? Okay, let's say I've knocked on 200. Well, two of them have ever rejected us at least praying with them or talking to them about, about the Lord. So throw this whole idea of rejection out the door. And so what we want to do is just remind you that we do use excuses, but this is God's calling. I want to remind you that God actually, Jesus actually mandated you and I to go into all the world and make disciples. And so I want to encourage you to take hold of that and to go out from here and just share your testimony with somebody this week. I believe each one of you has the tools to share the gospel and lead somebody to the Lord. You say, well, what would I say? Well, I'm glad you asked. One thing you would say is you could share your testimony just like you did around the table. The other thing is I would like to uh, show y'all, and they talked about this last week, but if you've not seen this, this is the app. It's called Life on Mission. Life on Mission. That's what it looks like in the app store. And I'm actually going to pull it up and show it to you on my phone so that you can actually see how simple and easy it is to work and how it literally has everything you need. So I'm going to I'm going to hook it up for us real quick and show it to you very quickly. I'm not going to walk through the whole thing, but, uh-oh, Noah. Okay, there it is. Okay, so that's what it looks like, life on mission right there in the middle. When you pull it up, it's the three circles model. If you've never seen the three circles model, typically when somebody shares it, they do it by drawing it on a napkin. You don't have to do that. You can pull up this app, and you can literally, right there, it tells you exactly what to do. Push the arrow to go to the right, and it starts at the very beginning. And it gives you all the language you need right in there. You can scroll through this whole thing, and it actually sketches the entire thing out for you to talk all about uh, God's design for us, what sin has done. It's brought brokenness into the world that you and I have to repent and believe, and we do that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then we recover and we pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. You say, well, how, how do I use that? Well, if you back all the way up, you can notice as you scroll down here, it gives you the Bible verses and everything. So you're sitting here showing this to somebody at lunch or somebody that you work with or somebody at the grocery store or somebody at the gym, and you're literally walking through and you're reading it, and you say, well, don't you need to have that memorized? Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a salesman come to you for something, like a truck or a car or maybe sell you something at a store and him pull out his spec sheet and begin to read that stuff to you? Did you get offended that he didn't have all that stuff memorized? You accepted all the information he gave you and you bought the product or you didn't. You didn't do it based off the fact that he read it from a piece of paper or he had it memorized. Here's what I know. The Bible says God's word will not return void. So whether you have it memorized or you don't have it memorized, if you will just read it, those are the words of God, and you are speaking those words, and that means the Holy Spirit will be working through you. And here's what happens when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do one of three things. We either plant a seed, we water a seed, 
or we see a harvest. Even if they reject you, you either planted it or you watered it. They say on average a person has to hear the gospel seven times before they receive that. Now, I don't know who they is, and I don't know how they came up with that, okay? But that's what they say. What if you were number seven? What if you were number 21 and that, 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 that heart was ready to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ? You don't have to have it memorized. What you have to have is an obedient attitude to Christ. And what he's calling us to do is get off the sidelines and quit coming up with a bunch of excuses to do exactly what God has called us to do. And I'm telling you guys, even if you're an introvert, I hear this all the time. Well, I'm an introvert. I don't like to meet new people. I don't like to start new relationships. You know, I have my few friends. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you evangelized and shared the gospel with those few friends that you're deep into relationships with? Have they all gotten saved? Are you continuing to point them back to the gospel? That's what God's calling us to do. Maybe you're an extrovert. You don't meet a stranger. That's how I am. I just love people. My wife tells me before we walk in Walmart, please don't talk to everybody we see. It's embarrassing. My thought is, I may never get to see them again. I want to leave an impact, okay? Her thought is, I hope we never have to see them again and talk to them, okay? Total different personalities. But the reality is, God has called us to share. So whoever God has placed in front of you, God is calling you to share the gospel. I'm going to say it again. Whoever God has placed in front of you, he is calling you to share the gospel. Not Brother Steve, not Noah, not one of these other guys. He's calling you. I think if Jesus, in John chapter 4, when he's walking with his disciples, they're going through Samaria, and the disciples are like, hey, big boy, we don't go through there. And Jesus says, I have to go through there. Because there was a divine appointment with the woman at the well. And Jesus goes, she's been married five times, she's living with a, a man that's not her husband, and what does Jesus do? He just begins to pour himself into her. He says, I can give you water that you'll never thirst again. She doesn't understand that she's thinking physical, he's speaking spiritual. The Bible says she eventually goes into town and says, come hear from a man that told me everything I ever did. He, she ends up telling them that he's the Messiah, and it says many people believed. Why? Because of a divine appointment Jesus had with the woman at the well. You say, well, that's Jesus. I'm telling you right now, he has some divine, appo <coughs> divine appointments for you this week. God has divine appointments for each and every one of us. <clears throat> I talked to a guy yesterday. I swallowed something, guys. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I talked to a guy yesterday afternoon. When I was leaving out of here, on the side of the road, when you get off the interstate going onto Highway 64, and he was there on the side of the road holding his sign, and I stopped and asked him if he wanted food. He just wanted money. I told him I didn't have any cash, but I'd be happy to buy him some food. He declined it very nicely, and I just asked him, I said, sir, can I ask you, if you were to die right now and you were to stand before God, and he said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you tell him? And his words to me were, I don't know and I don't care. If you don't have any money, our conversation's over. And I said, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. I drove off and I prayed, and this is what I thought as I walked away, as I drove away. This is what I thought. Today, a seed was either planted or it was watered. God, continue to bring people into this man's life that would point him to you. You are those men. You are those men who can go into this city and turn it upside down, just like those 12 disciples, 11 disciples, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, literally turned our world upside down. He's given us the greatest news of all time. 
So here's what I want you to do as we close. I want you to just pray around the table. Maybe it's just one of you pray. Maybe each of you pray. But I want you to pray that God would give us boldness this week to share the gospel with somebody. This week, I want each and every one of us in this room to walk away and say, my action step this week is I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Whether you use this app, or by the way, if you, if you haven't seen it, if you go to Bellevue's app, right, right there in that right corner, it says Share Jesus, and there's the way Brother Steve and, and Bill Street use a lot, and you can read those verses straight off there. That's just as easy to use as the three circles. But stop using excuses to not do what God's told you to do. And by the way, I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me as well. So I just want you to, around the table, whether it's one of you or all of you, I just want you to pray, Lord, as we leave this building, give us the boldness, give us the courage, and give us divine appointments this week to go into our places of work, our places that we live, and our places that we have hobbies or whatever else there may be. Give us the boldness and courage to share the love of Jesus with the people around us. Pray at your table. When you're done praying, you're dismissed. Thank you for being here.